I really am excited about what we are starting today. It's a, it's a sermon series on identity. And let me just say this. I really believe uh, today and over the next few weeks, if you will lean in, if you will really uh, listen to what God is saying to you about your identity in Jesus Christ, I mean, if you, if you will just absorb what God is saying about you, not just what you think about yourself or who you say you are, who you think you are, but you just lean in and you embrace who Jesus says you are. I believe that God really can transform not only how you see yourself, but how you live your life. And so let me just start with this question. Who do you think you are? When somebody asks you that question, who are you? How do you respond? And do you say, I don't know, I'm a human being or I'm a truck driver, I'm a race car driver. Uh, Do you tell them what you do? I'm a preacher, I'm a teacher, I'm a salesperson. How do you respond? In in this sermon, And in this series, what we're going to challenge you to do is to hear who Jesus says you are and to embrace not who you think you are, but who Jesus says you are. A guy that's written a lot on identity and is really a pretty sharp guy, a guy named Paul Tripp said this, if we find our identity, not vertically, not in who Jesus says we are, but instead we begin to look around and we identify ourselves horizontally, he said, basically, we're going to find our identity in one of four areas. Uh, Number one, uh, we tend to find our identity in our relationship status. Who are you? And we'll respond, well, I'm married. I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm a single adult. I am engaged. I am a fiance. But here's the thing. You are so much more than your relationship status. You know that, right? That doesn't define the essence of your being. That doesn't define who you are. Besides, your relationship status can change. You know that. I'm a wife. Now I'm not a wife. I'm a husband. Now I'm not a husband. I'm single. Now I'm married. Your relationship status can change. And and you want an identity that outlasts your current relationship status. Paul Tripp says, we find our identity in our relationship status and we find our identity in our accomplishments. Who are you? Well, I'm the CEO of such and such company. I'm the president of this company. Well, I work at this company. Our our accomplishments, we, we talk about what we have done. And we all know people who maybe they were a standout in high school, maybe in athletics, right? And they excelled. But maybe once they got out of school, life wasn't so kind to them. And so that's still their identity. I am a star athlete in high school. And so every time you're around them, all they want to do is relive the glory days. Have any of y'all ever met anyone like that? Three of you. Okay. (laughs) Maybe they're not as prevalent as I thought. And all they want to talk about is, hey, we won the state championship. You remember that? And man, the the number of yards rushing, the number of yards passing, or man, I scored the winning touchdown. I scored the winning goal. I mean, we just want to find our identity in what we've accomplished. But here's the problem with that. Eventually, no matter how much you accomplish, 
The applause begins to die down and the spotlight fades. And when it comes to your identity, you want an identity that lasts longer than the applause and that outshines the spotlight. So we find our identity in our relationship status, our accomplishments, or according to Paul Tripp, we find our identity in our body, our looks. See these guns? And you're thinking, nope. And I'm thinking, big deal. I don't find my identity in my guns because I ain't got no guns, okay? But let me tell you something. Here's the problem with finding your identity in how you look. Beauty fades, amen? And that six-pack that you're so proud of someday is gonna resemble more a keg than a six-pack. And you don't wanna find your identity in your looks Uh, But Paul Tripp says we find our identity in our body, our looks, and we also find our identity in our possessions. How much we make, how much we have, how much we have in our 401k. And we always want to find our identity in whether or not we make more than someone else. But here's the problem with finding your identity in your stuff. Stuff can never fill the gaping hole in your soul. And you'll have an identity that is always hungry for more and is never satisfied. And so in this sermon series, here's what we're gonna suggest over and over and over. And here's what we want you to understand. You really are, no matter who you say you are, no matter who you think you are, you are who Jesus says you are. And there are so many places in scripture where Jesus begins to unpack who you are. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You wanna know who you are. Find who you are vertically, not horizontally. And one passage that's a you are passage is in 1 Peter chapter two, verse nine. And I'm gonna ask you, if you would, please just stand with me. I know that that can seem just kind of rote and meaningless, but let me tell you something. When we stand and we read God's word together, we are declaring, man, uh, this ain't Gary talking. This ain't anyone else. This is God speaking. And we're standing in attention and we are saying, God speak, your servants listen. Will you read this with me? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and grab a seat. What I want you to really pay attention to are are two words right at the start. You are. You are. I'm telling you, that is Jesus through his servant Peter saying, hey, let me tell you who you are. Uh, Let me tell you, don't find your identity horizontally in in how much you've got or what you do or in your your possessions, how you look. Don't, Don't find it in your relationship status. No, instead, look vertically. Let me tell you who you are. You are. And he's saying, in essence, let me introduce you to you. You are. And then listen to what he says about your identity. If you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, he says, you are a chosen race. Now, when you see that word race, don't think of race or race relations. It's not talking about the color of skin. It's not talking about uh, the nation of origin from which you have come. 
It's not talking about all of the hyphenated ways that we divide ourselves up. The word there for race is really talking about family or nation. Uh, That is, you and I have been called of God. We are. This is your identity. We are a family. Uh, We are a family of God. Anybody in here old enough to remember days when Christ followers called each other brothers and sisters? Anybody old enough? There's 10 of you. That's awesome, okay? And I'm older than the rest of you. That's awesome. That's true, you know. That's our identity. We are a chosen race. We have been chosen to be in the family of God. But I love that word family, uh, the idea of family, uh, race. It is nation. It is family. I am a child of God. That's what he's saying. You want to know who you are? The next time somebody says, who are you? Tell me something about yourself. How about just leading with this? I am a child of God. How about right now? We just declared that as our identity in Jesus. I am a child of God. Say that with me, will you? I am a child of God. That's who Jesus says you are, so that's who you are, whether that's who you think you are or whether or not you say you are, you are. Only two groups of people in this world, according to Jesus. No matter how many ways we divide ourselves up, he says there's only two groups of people, those who are in my family and those who are not, those who are in Christ and those who are not, those who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and those who shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You are a chosen race. But look at that word chosen. It's a cool word. Do you realize God chose you long before you chose him? God chose you. When I think of the word chosen, uh, my mind often goes to adoption. You know, scripture says that you have been adopted into the family of God. Kim and I were with a young couple just a few weeks ago who have adopted one child and through a set of circumstances and needs, they are now trying to adopt their adopted child's sibling. And I'm telling you, do you ever just get in the presence of someone where you're just going, man, their, their commitment to Jesus, their, their roots in Christ, their devotion to Jesus just exceeds my own. And I'm just sitting there with this couple and I'm seeing the way they are just holding these two children, one adopted, one trying to adopt. And, and, and they're just loving these kids and embracing these kids and, and being a family to these kids. And I'm going, that's so awesome because that's a picture of us with our heavenly father. He loves us so much. He chose us to be his child. He adopted us. We're a child of God, not because of something we've done, not because we're so amazing, not because of our athletic prowess or our guns or our six pack. We're a child of God because he said, I am adopting you. I'm choosing you to be my child. We are adopted. So think about that. Declare your identity. I am a chosen child of God. 
The next time you start to get down on yourself, the next time you start to feel rejected or unloved or unlovable, uh, the next time you feel like a total failure, claim your identity. I am chosen of God. I've been adopted by God to be his child. And the reality is we all know what it's like to be passed over. We all know what it's like to not be chosen, don't we? Chosen to play on a particular team. Man, I could tell you all my horror stories of not being chosen. I didn't hit my growth spurt, uh, not till, uh, wasn't after high school, it was actually after college. And so, man, I mean, in school, I was always shorter than everyone. I made up for it by being really a lot slower than everyone. And, and so when it came time to choosing up teams, I didn't get selected for anything. My wife over here, oh, she's like Miss Athletic, Miss Everything. And, and you know what? I don't mind that because now if you look at my wife, she's just hobbling around on her bad knee. I rode the bench my whole life. I was never chosen to play on any team. I did nothing and my knees are awesome. So there's, there's not all bad in not being chosen. But let me tell you something. We're chosen. And we know what it's like to be passed over where we didn't get chosen to play on the team. We didn't get chosen by that person that we really, really liked. And, and they chose to date someone else and maybe then chose to marry someone else. Or, or we didn't get chosen by that company that we applied to and, and we wanted that job, but they passed over us and chose someone else. Or we wanted that promotion and they chose us and they passed over us and chose someone else. We all know what it's like to not be chosen when we want to be chosen. But in Jesus Christ, you have been chosen to be his child. So when somebody asks you, who are you? How about leading with this? I'm a child of God. Not because of anything I did. Not because I deserve it. But because he and his grace and his mercy chose me. I'm a child of God. But notice what else it says. A royal priesthood. Try that one on. Hey, who are you? Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm a priest. Really? What parish? No parish. I work at such and such place, but I'm a priest there. I live in such and such neighborhood, but I'm a priest in that neighborhood. You see, this comes, this idea comes out of Exodus 19. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Ancient Israel didn't live up to God's design, God's call on their life. They rejected who God created them to be. But now he says, I've called you and I've made you a priest. That's who you are. It's not just something you do. That's who you are. See, to be a priest, what did a priest do? A priest offered up sacrifices on the behalf of sinners of which they were one. A priest is somebody who's always got a handout to God and a handout to those who desperately need God. When I think of a priest, I often think of a bridge. How many of you have ever driven over the Mississippi River? Let me see a show of hands. Awesome. Thank the rest of y'all for joining the sermon this morning. I love it. Man, when you drive over the Mississippi, you know right away 
Mississippi, that ain't the Brazos River, right? Uh, that ain't the Trinity River. That, that ain't the Red River. No, 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 no. If you're going to make it over the Mississippi River, I'm telling you, you need a bridge, amen? I mean, you are not going to be swimming that, and if you can, God bless you, but the rest of us normal mortals, we can't swim across the Mississippi River. I mean, it's just too wide. We'll get tired. We'll drown. We'll get sucked under all of the currents. You got to have a bridge. Now, let me tell you something. You're not the bridge. You know that, right? There's a bridge and his name is Jesus. But let me tell you who you are. You are a priest. It's not just something that God calls you to do. You are someone whom God has planted in an office and God has planted in a neighborhood and God has planted in a family and God has planted in a, a circle of friends and God has planted on a campus and God has planted in a classroom and you are a priest in that classroom and you've got one hand reaching out to God and one hand reaching out to those who desperately need God and God says you're a priest. Try that on the next time. Hey, who are you? I am a priest, a royal priest, a priest to the glory of God. See, you know you are living out of who you are when you begin to actually be concerned about the condition of someone's soul. You know you're living out of who you are when you meet someone and you are concerned about the, the, just the pain that they're going through. And when you just immediately begin to say, okay, wait a minute, I, I've got a handout to God and I've got a handout to this person who is needing Jesus right now. I had the privilege of praying with a lady this past week who's elderly, who's a saint of God. Her husband's in the early stages of dementia. And I'm telling you, this lady knows Jesus better than I know Jesus. But I knew that in this phone call that God was calling me to be a priest to her. And so I prayed with her and I'm praying that God will be there, that God will encourage that God will remind her of his presence and that he is walking through this with her. See, I am a priest and you are a priest. And you know you're living out of who you are when you encounter people who are hurting and immediately your hand goes out to God and your hand goes out to them and you begin to point them to the bridge whose name is Jesus. You know you're living out of who you are when you are more excited about your child walking with Jesus than you are about your child making the team or winning the championship, even if your child did score the winning goal. You know you're living out of who you are, finally. And this is a long finally, don't get excited. <laughs> you're a holy nation. Somebody says, who are you? Try this out. I'm a child of God. Or... I'm a priest. Or the next time they ask you, just say, I'm a, I'm a holy nation. See this word nation, it's the idea of assembly. Assembly. You are an assembled child of God. God has assembled other children. You are a priest assembled with a lot of other priests. You're not in this alone. You are with a great assembly of Christ's followers. But notice as well, a holy nation. The word holy means to be separated or to be set apart. Think about set apart for a moment. Who are you? I am a member of a holy nation. 
set apart. To be set apart means that you were once a part of something before you came to know Jesus, and now you are set apart, you are separated from that, and you are now set apart to live a different way. Another way to put it would be, I'm a person who's been freed by Jesus from the way I used to live, and I'm now free to live differently. I am free to live like Jesus. I've been freed from my old nature. I've been freed from being a slave to sin. I'm somebody who's been freed to center my life on Jesus. Uh, When it says that you are a holy nation, it's not saying you're holy in the sense that you just abstain from a few high-profile sins. And by the way, may I encourage you, please abstain from high-profile sins. But, Your identity runs much deeper than that. You are free to live with Jesus and for Jesus and like Jesus. Think of a prisoner and imagine the judge, for whatever reason, commutes that prisoner's sentence. And so the the jail cell is unlocked. And imagine announcing to this prisoner good news, you've been freed, you've been set apart, you don't have to live like a prisoner any longer, you can go and live a different way. But imagine that all this prisoner does is just rolls over in their bed and goes back to sleep. You would be going, why are you still living like a prisoner? The door is not locked, you can live differently. The judge separated you from your former way of life as a prisoner. You are holy. Imagine that. Who are you? I'm holy. I've been set apart. I've been, I've been separated from the way I used to live. I am a part of a holy nation, a holy assembly. See, when you begin to understand your identity, that you've been set apart, Uh, then God begins to do excavation work on your soul. So let me ask you that question. Where is God doing excavation work on your soul? Where's God digging down and saying, hey, let's let's really dig into this. I I wanna, the door's unlocked. You don't have to keep living that way. I wanna set you free to live differently. I wanna set you free to live with Jesus and like Jesus and for Jesus. And so where is God doing excavation work? And if you're sitting there going, I'm good. Don't be too puffed up or proud. That just means that you are not seeking the face of God. You are not saying, God, set me free. God, separate me from this way of living. God, set me free to live differently. So don't get puffed up and proud because there's no excavation work going on. Instead, repent and say, God, you've set me free, but I'm still living behind prison bars in so many areas. Oh, God. Show me how to live free. Here's the reality. You are who Jesus says you are. You're a child of God. You're a priest. And you are a part of a holy assembly. Henry Nouwen, a Dutch theologian, kind of like Paul Tripp, summarized what we do. 
When it comes to identity, we either try to find our identity vertically in Jesus and who he says we are, or we find our identity horizontally. And, and Henry Nouwen says, if you find your identity horizontally, you're gonna find your identity in what you do or what you have or what others say about you. And he goes on to say, that is not a wise play. It's not a wise choice. Because yesterday's successes, what you do, has a tendency of becoming tomorrow's failures and then what happens to your identity. What others say about you is so fickle. To one, you're a hero, and to another, you're a goat. And when it comes to what you have, possessions, possessions tend to come and they tend to go. And when they go, what happens to your identity? My encouragement, my plea is that you and I would find our identity in who Jesus says we are. I'm a child of God, I'm a priest, and I am one who has been set apart to live for Jesus, with Jesus, and like Jesus. So what am I asking you to do this morning? Number one, if you've never done so to receive a new identity in Jesus Christ, in some in this room, you've never done that. You know about Jesus, you may even like Jesus, but you've never really become a follower of Jesus by repenting of your sin and placing your faith and your trust in Jesus and committing yourself to follow him. Let me tell you, there really is a kingdom. It really is the kingdom of God. And God is He's gonna reign over a new heaven and a new earth. And some are gonna live as citizens of his kingdom and some are gonna be banished from his kingdom. There's a real kingdom. And, and, and Jesus Christ really is the king of the kingdom. And he died on a cross in your place and in my place. He took our sins and he paid the penalty for our sin. And then he was buried, but he rose again, conquering sin, death, Satan, and hell. And what he calls us to do is to repent. And that's not to just say, oh, I'm sorry. I was impatient with someone. No, no, no. It's to say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I repent of rejecting you as my king. Jesus, I believe that you are the king of kings who died for me and was buried and rose again. And Jesus, I confess you as my Lord. I commit myself to follow you. If you've never done that, that's my invitation to you today. Receive a new identity in Jesus. If you go, boy, it seems so complicated. Okay, nine years old, in Salesville, Texas, at Salesville Baptist Church. You know where Salesville is. Just held on to the back of a pew, nine years old, and said, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Will you save me? And I believe in that moment, Jesus gave me a new identity. And at the end of this service, I want to be standing at that next step room, and I invite you to come, and, and I'll connect you up with somebody who will help you to take a step with Jesus today to receive a new identity from him. Second, claim your identity. Claim your identity. That's what I'm inviting you to do. If you've already become a follower of Jesus, claim your identity in Jesus. Who are you? Uh, stop saying a trucker or a lawyer or a salesman and try out. I'm a child of God. I'm a priest. I am a member of a holy assembly set apart by God to show people glimpses of what life with Jesus in the kingdom looks like. Finally, live out of your identity. Uh, the final part of this verse is this. Look at it uh, right out of the text. Uh, this is who you are. Uh, 
chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation, and now this is what you do, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. Because of who you are, this is what you do. Because of who you are, this is how you live. Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Here's what we do as Christ followers. Here's what we do as children of the living God. We preach and we live a pure life. We teach and we live a transformed life. And listen to me. One of the most effective ways that I know to just embrace your identity and begin to live out of your identity is to get into a discipling relationship, either where you're being discipled or someone is discipling you. And listen, right there at the next step room, we're going to have some folks. If you are sitting there going, I'd love to be discipled, or I'd love to have, have the opportunity to disciple someone. And, and I'd love to know how to do that. I want somebody to show me how to do that. Listen, there are people that are going to be in the next step room who will really help you to understand what it means to preach and live a pure life, teach and live a transformed life how to live out of your identity. You're not who you say you are. You are who Jesus says you are. Embrace your identity today. I'm gonna close in prayer and then Trace is gonna come up and he is just gonna dismiss us and he's gonna do it really, really quickly. Right, Trace? Amen. I'm not gonna, not gonna turn it over unless you just, just land the plane quick, all right? Because these people, they wanna go. They're, they're thinking the Cowboys are, when do the Cowboys kick off? Don't tell me no. no I, scratch, I withdraw the question. Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are so clear and you tell us who we are in you. May we live out of our identity this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.